I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 5 through 12. It's on page 1144 of your pew Bibles. Paul writes, For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be clear to all that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And all of God's people said, My favorite month of the year is finally here, June. It just happens to be the month of my birthday, and my sister's birthday, and our anniversary. But I also love it because of the lovely, long, warm evenings, and the fact that school lets out with a whoop of joy from the students and a quieter, tireder whoop of joy from the teachers. And it's also that time of year when recent high school and college graduates face the real-world adulting fun of job interviews. Now take just a minute to think back to some of your own interview experiences. It could be for a job or for a promotion or maybe a scholarship or placement in a professional organization. Remember how nerve-wracking it can be? You work so hard to show up in your professional best. You're all freshly pressed, shoes shined, hair just so. You practice your carefully worded answers to the questions you think the interviewer might ask. And if you were like me, you practiced in the mirror with maybe a hairbrush as a microphone. And you, of course, were using your adult voice, your I'm a professional, competent, and trustworthy adult. And then, of course, you had copies of your resume where you highlighted every good thing you've ever done in your life, but not too braggy, of course. You want to sound humble yet amazing all at the same time. You know, just your friendly neighborhood superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Putting our best foot forward, showing off our strengths and skills, accentuating our positives, that's what interviews are made for. Yet the Apostle Paul explains in today's passage of his second letter to the church at Corinth, that our interview-ready, all-polished-up self isn't really all that valuable in the life of faith. 
And sometimes it can even get in the way. First, let's set the stage. Between the writing of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians and the second letter to the Corinthians, the church has had what one scholar calls a crisis of confidence in Paul's leadership. What's happened is a group of false teachers whom Paul dubs the super apostles have come behind Paul and they have cast doubt not only on Paul himself, but also on the gospel that he's teaching. Now, since we have no direct evidence of exactly what it is the super apostles said, we have to surmise the gist of their criticisms based on how he responded to them here in 2 Corinthians. Among other things, it seems like the super apostles have been attacking Paul's lack of polished speaking skills. They've also been attacking him for his presentation, for his physical outward appearance. They think he's basically weak and unimpressive. And they're attacking him because they don't feel like he has a strong enough resume as a good Jew. He's apparently not Jewish enough for them. And believe it or not, they also criticize Paul from refusing to ask the Corinthian church to pay him for his preaching and teaching there. Can you imagine? Instead, he is supporting himself through his tent-making business and through donations from other established churches. Have you ever heard of someone being criticized for not being paid? Not asking for pay? What happened to Paul? But his primary concern is not the personal attacks that the super apostles are leveling at him. It's their attacks on the gospel, on what he has taught the Corinthians, the unadorned basic truth of the life-changing, life-saving, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that sets us all free. These super apostles preach another Jesus and a different kind of gospel, as Paul says in chapter 11. With all their smooth talk and polished outward appearance, the super apostles have bamboozled some of the believers in Corinth, into thinking that Paul, that unhandsome, unpolished, unflashy guy, isn't trustworthy. And his unflashy gospel isn't the real deal. In today's passage, beginning with verse 5, Paul reminds the Corinthians and us, we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as slaves for Jesus' sake. Or as the message words it, remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ as master. All we are is messengers, errand runners, from Jesus to you. All the focus that the super apostles place on Paul just serves to distract from the whole point, which is Jesus. Paul knows that he is not in the business of proclaiming or promoting or advertising himself. Sharing the love of Jesus is not some contest like Corinth's next top apostle, which is exactly what the super apostles are making sharing the love of Jesus 
into. For Paul, his entire existence, every breath he takes, is to share the love of God made real in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's not trying to shine his own light, but the light of Christ. He says it this way in verse 6. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is God's light. It is God's message. The focus is the message, not the messenger. Drawing on the prophet Jeremiah's image of God as the potter and us humans as the clay, Paul says this in verse 7, But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear to all that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We, limited, imperfect, everyday, frail, and faulty humans, we are the vessel God uses to share the treasure of Jesus' love and light with the world. Out of the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives, as Peterson puts it, shines the light of Christ. Out of the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives shines the light of Christ. Clay pots were the everyday, affordable, workaday vessels used throughout the ancient Middle East. Metal was expensive, and most people couldn't afford it. But clay was affordable and easily accessible for most people throughout the Middle East. And as we know, clay can be formed into just about any shape and size a household or a business or a temple might need for storage or cooking or baking. Clay pots, though, aren't perfect. They're functional, but they're limited. They're useful, but imperfect. They're durable, but they're also breakable. Clay pots get cracks in them pretty easily. And the cracks are how the light shines through. Paul lists some of the ways that he's been cracked throughout his ministry, starting with verse 8. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. This list of hardships outlines some of the suffering Paul has encountered in his life. Let's hear these again. Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Paul's had a hard time. But he also affirms that those hard times, those cracks in his earthen vessel, in his clay jar, did not get the last word any more than the cross gets the last word on Jesus. Because the power of God, the difficulties are only part of the story. They're only a piece of what's really happening. And they're never the focus, and they're never the ending. 
The struggles that come with being human and breakable and sinful and cracked reflect in small, tiny ways Jesus' all-encompassing death on the cross. For he knows what it is to suffer, to grieve, to feel sorrow and loss and pain and persecution and affliction. Jesus knows what it is to be the vessel that gets cracked. In fact, he knows what it is to be broken and shattered completely. Through his brokenness on the cross, the light of the empty tomb of the resurrection was made possible. The light shines out of the darkness through the cracks. And just as the cross seemed like a very foolish way to many to save the world, our cracks and imperfections, our vulnerabilities and our struggles often look from the outside like something we ought to hide, something to cover up, something ripe for criticism and blame. The super apostles certainly saw Paul's cracks that way, something ripe for criticism and blame, and they used every perceived flaw or lack or imperfection as a target to attack him. He's not well-spoken enough. He doesn't have a commanding physical presence. He doesn't have the right background. And goodness gracious, he doesn't have the right salary. Yet it was through Paul's not-enoughness, through the cracks in his jar, that the power and the light of Jesus shone through. For many years now, our family, like many of you, has supported a child through an international Christian ministry. The nonprofit ministry we work through is called World Vision, and it's a global group that works together to help in the most devastated of places. In World Vision's most recent magazine, their president, Rich Stearns, writes about his lifelong fascination with superheroes. He writes, My fascination started in childhood when I was growing up and felt like an underdog. My dad was an alcoholic and went bankrupt twice. The bank foreclosed on our home, evicting us. My parents divorced. And during those times, I felt deeply insecure, like I could never overcome the odds against me. And to cope, I escaped into superhero comic books. As a hurting child, the glamorous life of superheroes with their amazing powers and always-win-in-the-end storylines were hugely appealing to Rich. But he also noticed, even as a child, that almost every superhero had a painful backstory. They had a crack in their jar. For Peter Parker, who became Spider-Man, he was an orphan and a bully target. Wonder Woman had to leave behind home and family and everything she knew to go help a world that could never know who she really was. Captain America had polio as a child. Stearns writes, Despite their weakness and hardship, these people became heroes. They were repurposed to fight evil and injustice. This happens in real life, too. 
not by radioactive spider bites or special costumes or science experiments, but by God, the ultimate source of power in the universe. Stearns points out that throughout scripture, God has been repurposing weakness and hardship and people we would never have chosen to be the hero. And he uses them for blessing. Moses, the murderer with a stutter, repurposed to deliver, to deliver the Hebrews out of Egypt. Mary, an obscure, unmarried Jewish girl, repurposed to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, repurposed as Paul, the proclaimer of the good news. God also repurposed rich Stearns. The kid with the painful childhood who escaped into superhero comics, repurposed as the president of World Vision U.S., a champion of vulnerable children everywhere. Paul didn't need to be a super apostle or a perfect vessel or an unblemished specimen. God had already saved him, already called him, and already repurposed every single one of his cracks. All Paul had to do was let the light shine through. If Paul had tried to present a perfectly polished, uncracked, and altogether front, he'd be guilty not only of false representation, but also of blocking the light of Christ from shining out into the world. And that same thing is true for us. So often God uses our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, the hard places in our our stories, the cracks in our jars, to shine out his light into the world. What we see as weakness or struggle or vulnerability has been, is being, and will be repurposed by God for good. Aiming for perfection or having it all together or super-apostling just gets in the way of the light shining out into the world. After all, it's not about us, Paul reminds us. And he puts it so simply. We don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And we are his clay, molded and shaped for his purposes, so that his light shines through every repurposed crack in our lives. In the name of the one who was cracked and broken and shattered, so that we could be repurposed and healed. Amen.